I was laying in bed last night sure. and I was coming up with bits. <laughs> and best place to come up with bits. Best place to come up with bits. I was worried that I wasn't going to remember this one. I had a great way of like phrasing it and I was excited to tell it to you because it was very crisp and yeah. uh witty. You workshopped it. I workshopped it, but I've forgotten I've forgotten the way that I workshopped it. You got to write it down. Well, I was I was I was seconds away from Dreamtown. <laughs> couldn't just get up and <laughs> the sleepy write. train was pulling out of the station <laughs> it was the old the old snooze bus was just arriving at the <laughs> at the stop um the mm. old uh the old the old dream uh uh zeppelin was uh uh-huh. <laughs> was was fired up and uh seconds away from combusting um Oh, the humanity. Oh, the humanity. Uh, oh, the oh the sleepiness. I, too, think of the Heisenberg every time I go to bed. The Hindenburg? The Heisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, isn't Hindenburg that guy from uh, Breaking Bad? Isn't Heisenberg <laughs> the guy from Indiana Jones 3? Okay, so the, the bit that I was coming up with is basically... Um, it was going to be a TikTok, but I don't have a TikTok. I was just imagining it as if it were, and I sure, feel like yeah. it do numbers, but you know, it's whatever. It's like, um, <laughs> how do you know the phrase "do numbers" if you're not on Twitter anymore? I talk to you every week. Um, That's a good point. So, the 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 premise of the joke is that um, right wing pundits and um, left wing pundits are essentially exactly the same. They're both jerks. Yeah. The right wing pundit is going to. Just tell you exactly what it is and be a jerk. The left wing pundit is going to be a jerk, but then they're going to do the Harlem shake. And then the weatherman is going to dress in a silly outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) How I see it playing out in my mind is you, you hop onto Fox news and some, some guy with a bad haircut is telling you, he's saying, uh, that's really rude of you to say Laura Ingram is perfectly fine. Her haircut is perfect. (laughs) And he says to you, he says, how dare you, if you're watching this and you support mandates, you are the worst members of our society. You are killing sure, yeah. this country, right? Yes. If you're, you are, you're murdering children, you literally. Are, if you are friends with these people who are putting masks on children, consider you know using your Second Amendment rights, that kind of thing, right? That's what yeah, they're saying. That's what yeah. people, no, one ever, no one ever suggests using your Third, your third Amendment rights. <laughs> No one ever, not, no one ever suggests not let soldiers live in your house. No, yeah, no one ever suggests <laughs> preventing soldiers from from moving in. Um, you flip the channel, you flip over at MSNBC, and there's there's three people. There's a guy in a suit and two ladies standing there. The guy in the suit says, "Looks like the coronavirus cases numbers are going up in uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma. They're up to fifteen thousand just for today." And then the ladies they go, "Yeah, it's a shame that those people are just not caring about their fellow citizens that they." They really hate each other, and that they're, they're so poor, and so <laughs> ugly. Gosh, it's such a shame. Well, anyway, after this, we've got a new. I don't uh, know which one I hate more. I you know, know what right? I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure which one. Welcome to the Crunch, the only podcast that needs 10 minutes to warm up is your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. We had to because I I had a long day at work, Patrick. Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't bad. Oh, Actually, can I tell long. you this? I yeah. had a short day at work. 
Let me rephrase everything entirely. Oh, well, that's good, I guess. Have you ever had a day where you show up to work and you just are working the whole day and then you look up and you're like, wow, it's 3.30. Like, I'm almost done with the day. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's maybe one in 60 days for me. Okay. On account of my nasty, nasty habits of procrastination (laughs) and uh, immediate gratification. Sure. Laziness, such and such things. But- one of my New Year's resolutions, that wasn't really a resolution, it's just something I've been trying to do for a very long time, is to kick that nasty, nasty Reddit habit. I'm three Ooh, days clean. Reddit's tough. Reddit's three tough. days clean, baby. Three days clean. I always forget that Reddit exists until I'm absolutely dr- bone dry on Twitter. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I guess Reddit exists. Yeah. It's it's hard because it's... The nice thing was... is. I, I was really struggling with it, you know, trying to fight back, trying to fight back. I had this weekend with Emma and we were here. We had been traveling for two weeks, Christmas, New Year's, solemnities, epiphanies, yeah, so all kinds much. of things happening. Um, um, It's Saturday. We go to mass. We come back. Um, I'm like reading, taking care of chores around the house, mm-hmm. take a nap. Because I don't have anywhere to be. I don't have anything to do. Don't get on Reddit all day. Sunday comes, wake up, pray, go to mass, make lunch, read a book, take a nap. It was just good. Like I was just, we were just living here. Emma was like sewing. She got a sewing machine for Christmas. Amazing. So she was sewing. I was lay. I was basking in the sun like a, like a feline. <laughs> like a little cat. Like a little cat um, working on some, some things that I needed to get done. And it just was even those two days of intentionally doing things that I knew were good for me. I come into work today and I'm working from home because there's no one in the office. Cause usually when I work from home, my problem is, is that there's nobody here so I can just do whatever I want. No consequences. Yes. But since I had two really great days and I thought very hard about what my week's schedule was going to be like on Sunday night, I then show up. I just look at my calendar and all you got to do is follow the calendar. You just got to do what's on the thing. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing. It's actually I, less mental work than, oh, I got to stay off Reddit. I got to stay off Twitter. I got to, it's just like, oh, this is what I'm doing now. Right. Yeah. There's a little mental switch. So I'm, I'm really hoping that that uh, sinks deep over the next couple of days. I'm on the only other thing that I'm going to brag about or not brag about, but just share about because it's, it's very hard. I've been trying to wake up on my first alarm for four years, Patrick. <laughs> four years. <laughs> <laughs> this this podcast has been going on for five and a half. Yes. <laughs> so that's the whole length of the podcast. Today was day 19, I believe, in a row of getting Amazing. up on my first alarm. Amazing. So we're just, things are going well. I feel I like I'm turning a corner alarm. in my life. I haven't life. used an alarm in, in weeks. Really? Yeah, last time I used an alarm was to wake up to go to the airport. What do you do to get up? What do I do to get up? I just wake up when I get up. Don't you have to go to work? Yeah, and then I go to work right after I wake up. What do you mean? What, what if you wake up at like 11? I wake up at 11. What time do you wake up normally? Well, I mean, if I go to bed at like a normal time, I wake up at like 7. And if I go to bed at a not normal time, I'll usually wake up at like 9. But even then, I usually wake up at like 7. And then I go, why did I go to bed at not a good time? <laughs> so what time? So sometimes you wake up at 9 and you just go to work at like 9.30? Yeah, well, so on Mondays and so there's two days out of the week either Monday and Wednesday or Tuesday and Thursday where I, that would be a problem showing mm-hmm. up late to work. Mm-hmm. But in general, I just go into work when I, when I can. And then I uh, work when I can. 
I struggle to understand how your job works. So uh, I a lot of my job happens not in the office. Right. So like it's very flexible. So does no nobody cares that you're in the office as long as your work gets done? Like is there a general sense? Yeah, of pretty, like, yeah, pretty much. General sense of trust, you know, among people. Yeah, and um, which was is is to start contrast to Holy Spirit, which is a general sense of who cares. You know, yeah, um, interesting. which that was worse. Yes, because <laughs> because I was like, every time I left for vacation, I was like, is this the time that no one was checking on my vacation hours? So I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can take a six days. I'm pretty sure I haven't been keeping track. I'm pretty sure this is OK. Am I stealing from God? And that was a lot of stress. So I couldn't I couldn't relax. Um, but instead, now I have a very good system with my with my team of hey, we're taking these days, and we all know how many days we have left, and all this stuff. So it's a What's lot. What's the chapter less in Leviticus that tells the priests when they get to take vacation days? I don't know, <laughs> but there's a little part in canon law that says when you can, how many vacation days you get. Really? Mm-hmm. What does it say? I'm pretty sure priests get two weeks. Um, they get four weeks. So one week is uh, personal. One week is diocesan retreat. retreat. Yeah, one week. I don't know. There's like four things. I've I've learned over the last of Thanksgiving and Christmas that I I am capable of kind of doing like a half in half out thing where you like travel, but you're still checking email, you're still doing phone calls, you're still doing, like I'm capable of it. But man, it's so hard. But it's like hard not to because with a sales job, you're just kind of always you always got to be ready, you know. Yeah. Especially when you have things, contracts moving, people need stuff from you, you got to answer this or else it expires. Every job has know? an excuse to work on vacation, Ethan. I know. Every job. Every job. Especially especially every job, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. It's not that I was like pressuring myself to work. It's just that I knew that it would be worse when I came back if I did not at least do something while I was gone. Yeah, I understand this. And so... I guess I mean, you can call that an excuse. You're talking if you to want. the guy that took a work call during your wedding rehearsal. I understand this. Yeah, why'd you do that? It was I was very stressed out, and I was like, if I don't take this call, we might lose this. Lose? Oh, that. What were you losing? It was like a renovation thing for the uh, for the youth ministry center, and it was very stressful, and I was very stressed. You should have let me take the phone call, and I would have walked out of my own rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that wouldn't have been a. I'd be like, yeah, this is Patrick's phone. Oh, you need Patrick? Well, he's at my wedding rehearsal. <laughs> Sorry. Boop, boop, boop. And then Listen, that's it. The, the rehearsal just went longer than I thought because, you know, father wanted to run through it twice. Who runs through it twice? Um, He didn't run through it twice. What? What do you mean he, he ran through it twice? He did? I thought he ran through it twice. No, he Never just mind. ran through it once. Oh, okay. Well, I think you were super stressed because you came straight from the airport and you were a little bit late. So Yeah, I was super stressed because of yeah. that. And then, and then I was like, oh, gosh, I forgot that I was. Yeah, anyway. My flight was delayed and all that stuff. Yeah, so I thought I was going to... Yeah, anyway. Everyone's flight got delayed that weekend for whatever reason. Like, yeah, some people didn't get in until midnight. Some people didn't get in until, like, 10.30. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It was wackadoo. Wack- but I did have oh. some... Ama- <laughs> You're not used to the microphone. I'm not the used microphone. to the thing. My, I've been complaining about my boom arm for weeks. It finally broke the metal. It, it's, like, you know how sometimes metal <laughs> rips... <laughs> You know, sometimes you know, so like so on a case, like if you you crumbles you can, like you sand. Can, yeah, you can imagine yeah. metal ripping. So I don't know if I've had this boom arm at the wrong angle for years, so that it has worn down the probably. I assume very tough, probably steel, probably diamond encrusted. You know, whatever this was, uh, but it snapped off. Like it just is. There's no. It's not like a oh the piece fell off and I just got to put it back on and tighten it. It's like it is detached <laughs> from the rest of the boom completely. 
And so I had to get a new, well, not a new, I had to bring back the old tripod. <laughs> um, and I like moved my legs and I ripped it and it fell off the book that I have it sitting on, which is the Thank Catholic you. introduction to the Bible, the Old Testament, which from the Bible cast. You remember the Bible cast. <laughs> you remember the Bible cast? Listen. Oh, man. I I uh, I am very excited because uh, Phoebe is behind me. Phoebe. Um, Phoebe, not behind me. Like oh. She's behind me in, in terms of like. I'm traveling ahead of her, gotcha. like uh, like John the Baptist, hmm. um, because her it was cheaper for her to fly out later, and I had to get back, and so I'm. Tomorrow is my so Phoebe's been traveling a lot recently, like going around telling everyone yeah. that she's pregnant. Uh, she's been okay. traveling to the hill country, um, as pregnant women are wont to do. Yes. It's a very Marian thing, traveling when you're pregnant, and so <laughs> um, <laughs> and so she's she is coming back. Uh, tomorrow night and that is the this is the last time that she will be traveling and i'll be home by myself um and i'm so excited to not be by myself anymore because i hate it i hate it ethan i need to talk to people <laughs> i needs it um but also something else i uh if you if in case since you asked how i'm doing um I was at mass yesterday and I wrote down what I think might be the lyrics to a hymn. You're writing a hymn. Indeed. I, the, the organist at my uh, parish is a professional uh, organist doctor boy. He has a doctorate in music and hmm. he's a, an incredible uh, composer. He wrote a hymn for our parish. He set a poem about Archangel Gabriel to music and it sounds incredible and so i texted him and i was like hey want to write a hymn uh i have some i have an idea and uh i was because there's i i forget i forget what church father talks about this but he talks about how at the incarnation uh christ moved a star to Hmm. bring to bring the wise men and then at the at the uh crucifixion he um eclipsed the sun Mm -hmm. and so it's the uh can we just take a time out real quick if if Christ actually moved a star, which I totally believe that he did. Yes. That means that there is some galaxy somewhere that just got yeeted across billions of miles of space. Yeah. Which is just the most amazing <laughs> wild thing yeah. that you can ever imagine. So carry on. Just That's like all I want. Thrown around. Yes. Um, and so a galaxy. The, uh, biggest, galaxy. Biggest thing out there. Galaxies. Carry on. Um, and so the I wrote like the last three lines of or like the last the the last line of three verses of a hymn it, it would work it would probably work as like the last three lines but one verse one will be about jesus moving the evening star at his birth the third verse will be about jesus moving the daytime star at his death and then the last verse will be about him being the morning star under the uh under the appearance of bread and wine Whoa. and so it's like a parallelism between the incarnation, Christ's veiled glory at the incarnation, Christ's veiled glory at the crucifixion, Christ's veiled glory at the uh, in the Eucharist. And I was like, I want to write this hymn, and I want to have it ready for next Christmas so we can sing it at Christmas. So you're just making the whole parish sing the hymn that you've written. Yeah, that's what you do. You write a hymn, and then the church sings it. <laughs> it's true. It's going to be good, though. It's got it's to it's be good before we yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm giving I... myself a year to do something I've never done before. So That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But so also, your, but also, that's your I don't, 2022 resolution. That's so is to good. Write you should a hymn. put that in a listicle. 
Yeah, sure, but it's not. I'm not going to be writing the music, mind you. The professional organist who has already done this before is going to be writing the music, and I'm going to be trying to fill in the blanks with words that are good. Have you ever heard of a jam session? Yes, I've been a part of them before. You should have a jam session where, but it's a hymn session. A hymn session. No, no ladies allowed because it's a hymn session. But uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I just got a notification on Discord. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Why are you opening Discord? Are you asking them for a topic? No. <laughs> That's exactly what you're doing, isn't it? <laughs> no. Just, what are you talking about? <laughs> Do you cut this stuff down? I can't imagine this is good for the listeners. Just hear us talk for 20 minutes. It depends. If it's if I listen back to it and I'm I'm enjoying it, then I don't cut it out. If I listen Ooh, back to it. That's a good way to Yeah. If I listen back cuz sometimes I listen back and I'm and I like start laughing. I was like, "What are you laughing at?" Like, just some bits that we were doing. This is pretty pretty funny. <laughs> um I don't remember what we joked about last week, but whatever. So at some point, you said something that really just got me going. So um, I always leave that stuff in. Cool. But then if I'm listening to it and I'm like, gosh, I don't even. I love Patrick as a brother and I don't even care about this. And I just. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I think what if I maybe had an idea for a song and I sent it to you and then yeah. you sent it. Like what if what I'm trying to get at is maybe indirectly Mike Aquilina will write a song for me through you is what I desire. <laughs> But like Mike, will you please write this song for us? Thank you. Yes, yes. We I had this I had this song idea, and the the line that keeps coming back to me is just listen to the Crunch new episodes every <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Could you please maybe do something? I don't, just, the I don't line know. Like, just keeps coming back. To it me. reminds me. It, it reminds me of when we went on tour with Catching Foxes back in '75. <laughs> And they were trying to explain to me why it's so hard to be like chubby white podcasters in yeah. America. Yeah. How to be virtuous when sick. No, um, no, no, no. That's too serious. We got to start Regan, with... Regan, scroll up. The, scroll up. The answer is don't be. I'm just no, kidding. don't. We can't respond live. We got to say like, okay, we've asked for questions on the Discord. And here's that's one right, of the questions. Right, that are, right. You can't just... It's not a live podcast. Okay. Patrick. Patrick's lost. And I've lost him. I've lost his attention. Patrick, tell him what you typed. I, t- I typed, oh, I got a notification on Discord. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, I, man. They'll, I like, they'll being, I like being friends with people who are funny. Can I just That's say that? That's good. I, I, I like it, too, because it... it I, as iron sharpens iron, one funny boy sharpens another. That's Indeed. The, uh, that's how the saying goes. I would like to get to some of these uh, Discord topics that people have brought up. Me too. All of the Discord topics that people have put on discord.com slash the crunch. Discord.gg slash and then you'll be able to <laughs> sign up. Uh, all right, let's start. So we we I was in the Discord and definitely before the podcast, not during it, and asked for some questions or, or some topics. One that I'm excited to talk about. Because One of about the many. Because it's the about me. Many. Uh, oh. One of the very many. You could be a part of this group too if you were if you joined uh, the Discord link in description. It's from Madeline. Shout out Madeline. Always in the chat. Always reading. Always posting about the book she, that she likes. Shout out. She says, "Can you talk about your Catholic community thing you want to have? What is it? What's the inspiration?" This is a great question because I realize <laughs> I have not uh, really talked about this at all. And when we've talked about it on the podcast, I've edited it out a lot of times. Just because, oh, really? Yeah. 
um, just because it's, it's not a for sure. I mean, it is kind of a for sure thing, but it's not, I don't know. It's really easy to get super excited about something when it's in the early stages. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better to, it's more fun to talk about something because you get credit for having the idea and then you get the, you get the, the little mini endorphin rush that comes with absolutely no risk of failure. Right. right? Like me telling you about free dopamine. Sign up. I told you about the him thing. I feel great. I don't even have to fail. And I felt great. So yeah, no, I'm what, but I, I'll, I'll make you feel bad if, if it's comes a year I from now and there's no him. That I, talk, I usually do. You, you are very good about. at follow through. That's one thing that you're good at. That's what I need to start telling myself. I think mm-hmm. I think I've told myself for too long that I'm not good at follow through. You are good at follow through. That's it's silly. Do you remember but that episode of Jimmy Neutron where that guy never fully finished everything? He like always had like a half a donut eaten, and he, he they they defeated him because his his robot wasn't fully finished because he forgot to install a bathroom. D- tell me you remember this. The episode of James Neutron, Boy James. Professor Calamitous. There it is. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. I'm starting this Catholic community thing. Yeah, and... sure. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Let's Let's... Ethan, will you sing us in with the crunch on that jingle, please? Thank you. <clears throat> How does it feel? <laughs> it feels pretty bad. <laughs> it's hard. But you took improv classes, so I don't feel bad. Yeah, that's not that true. Either. I took one improv You did stand-up workshop. comedy for money. Yeah, I did do that. I All made right. like tw- I made like twenty five dollars. That's not bad. No, for a high schooler, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's pretty good. I wouldn't pay a high schooler twenty five dollars for anything, <laughs> and I'm legally required to say that. <laughs> Look to the stars to buy candy bars, right? And get with a knack for adventure, a super powered mind, a mechanical canine. Rescues the day from sure destruction. This is the theme song. Crunch on that. There we go. There we go. That's good. Okay. So I think it's important to... This idea of community is something that we've been evolving together on this podcast for... Yeah years at this workshop and the idea right we've been taught we've been talking about community we've been thinking about community we've been reading about community all this to say it's not a new thing right we've simply not been existing in a community though right what no i'm just kidding (laughs) we've been siloed alone forever well some people are this should not shock anybody that i'm i'm excited about this so basically rewind to probably so the year before I got married, so August 7th, 2020, we're at our friends, our very good friend's wedding. Um, Blake and Carly Bostic, they're beautiful, amazing people. They just have, they have the biggest child, the biggest son that I've ever seen. The largest. So he, he's four months old and I think he's wearing like six to nine month old clothes. Oh my gosh. He's 22 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's really heavy. Yeah. And, uh. 
he his mom we went bowling the other day with them and carly held him in her left arm and she bowled a strike with her other arm that's uh incredible. and i said how did you know which one was the bowling ball <laughs> the one that was lighter right exactly <laughs> yeah because she, she was not throwing a 23 pound bowling ball i don't think many people are so the it started then and there, there were a lot of really great people because that blake was a focus missionary carly went to OSU, and there were just a lot of really great Oklahoma Catholic-focused people at this wedding. There were priests there. It was it was really awesome, and that kind of I feel like kicked it off for a lot of people because we all like that was a moment that and another wedding that I ended up not being invited to, but I'm good friends with the people who are who got married now. Uh, Chet and Ray, they're they're also incredible. They're both missionaries at OU now, and like these weddings kind of started happening. And people are getting married and they're hanging out and people are coming to these weddings and realizing like, oh, you don't live too far from here. You know, like we should like it was kind of that joke at the, t- at the time where it's like, let's let's have chickens and move together. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like a thing that just naturally happens when people yeah. when people who care about the truth when they're together. It's just, you know, it's kind of a we all feel this desire. We feel this pull like, man, why aren't we why do we only see each other once? when everybody gets married and like when people have a kid, like why aren't we, why don't we do this all the time? It's kind of the sense. Um, obviously you feel this way about all of your friends, but I think it's especially true just in a community of people who have been formed by things like focus, good Newman centers, all that stuff. Um, and especially because we're just growing up in this world where we're trying like a lot of these people are actively trying to not be on social media. They're trying to, you know, do things locally. Like a lot of people can't put words to it in the same way that maybe you or I could, but they're, they're working towards this reality where they desire their life to not exist fully and totally online. Um, and, and they desire their life to be something that is within walking distance, you know, like people are recognizing like, Oh, it's kind of crazy that I have to you know, FaceTime my friends to talk to them and we all live 30 minutes apart from each other and we see each other once a quarter, you know, like this is just weird, you know? Yeah. Um, being in a big city and everything. Or you were going to say something? No, it's it's it's, uh, it's strange, but it, it just, I don't know. I hate it too. I, I literally, I think I live 30 minutes from one of my household brothers from college and I don't see him. Yeah. Do you know why that is, Patrick? Well, part of it is because we live in Pittsburgh. Okay. And in Pittsburgh, if you have to go across two bridges to go somewhere, it's too far. Uh, because, a bridge too far, as it were. As it were, yeah. <laughs> That's actually where the phrase came from. No, no, no. No, it's not. No. It, it's, but it's also because <clears throat> it is a lot of work to get in a car and drive somewhere. My favorite phrase that I've been saying over and over again this year, car kills community. It just, it's... It's, Man, I feel bad for making fun of the Amish all these years. They were right. They were right. Dang it. They, this, is, they, uh, this is something that's uh, – <clears throat> if you do just – if you run out um, the arguments that like Postman and Newport make, you kind of arrive at this conclusion, right? That like a life that is it is simple and a life that is local is inherently – and vastly more fulfilling and sustaining than a life that is that is digital and a life that is metropolitan. Metropolitan, <laughs> even yeah. yeah. Um, and reading guys like 
Ivan Illich and or I guess Hannah Arendt is not a guy, but she's in that same group. Marshall McLuhan, all these people who are like kind of technological philosophers and uh, they, they critique modern technology advances. Um, Jacques Ellul is another one. I don't know how to say his name. I am not a scholar. <laughs> uh, never pretended to be but they all kind of have similar criticisms where like the idea of even an automobile like something that moves on its own like is just not human and like i think i've talked about this on the podcast but they i think Ivan Illich compares and contrasts it with the bicycle where if you go from walking to cy- and everybody's cycling that's amazing because you can go so much further so much quicker with, with not very much manpower. And you can carry things and all this stuff. But the second that you put a motor on the back of a bicycle, you've created two different classes of people, right? And there's a, there's a class of people who can go very far uh, with no energy expended. And there's a class of people who can go that far, but it takes them a lot of energy and a lot of time. And uh, it, it just starts to separate and widen the gaps yes. between people. Right. The second someone doesn't have to literally burn a candle to work late into the night, mm-hmm. you have now taken yes. You there's no there's no physical like, there's no physical expense for me to work later into the night. There's this is what um, Julian. Oh my gosh, I forget his name. He talks. He's a center for humane technology, um, but he talks about human powered technology as opposed to technology powered humans. Yes. Yes. And I, I you're exactly right, but like. To, to someone who was born into this, it's like, well, what's the difference between a motorcycle and a bicycle? Mm-hmm. Or what's the difference between a car and uh, a carriage, you know? Right. There's that There's that Henry Ford quote of, like, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Mm-hmm. Cool, then give them that, you, you dingbat. Like, Gosh what? darn it, Henry. Why, why, would you, why would you make something people don't need if they right. don't see an immediate need? But that's the thing, right? It's like that's what, that's what happened to technology in the Industrial mm-hmm. Revolution. It was... I'm going to tell people what they need and they're going to take yes. it. And then society is going to, mm-hmm. to form around the car as opposed to around the human, the human being. And like what happens with the car is I was talking to Phoebe about this. What happens with the car is people say, okay, I'm going to buy this thing. And now I'm going to be able to do what I already do faster. Um, and that's not what happens. What happens is instead of so you, so what it, it takes you like, what, maybe like an hour to walk across town. Yeah. And so you're like, I'm going to I'm going to hop in my car and do it in 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 25 minutes. Um, but instead you go, well, I guess we can move out of this dusty old city and uh, this smoky old city. And now you've moved an hour drive out of the city. So now you're spending the exact same amount of time mm-hmm. uh, as you would have just you know walked. Anyway, I I think um, and I think when about you're this a lot when you're driving, it's point to point. There's no there's no opportunity to meet anybody or to be stopped or to, you know why it's like so many people have such a hard time. It's like, I don't know what to do when there's, when there's someone who's, who's begging on the side of an interstate. It's because like we're not really designed to be able to just ignore someone who's sitting on the side of the road. You know, like, and that's why it's weird for literally everybody, whether you're Christian or not. Because the fact that you can just roll up your window and ignore another human being is it's like. strange. It's really strange. Yeah. You used to be like, you used to have to make a choice to walk by, to like step over a person and like ignore them. You know, now it's just everybody can just kind of drive on by and you miss nothing because you see them for, for this long of time. But if you're walking, you see them in the distance <laughs> and you have all that time to walking up there it, reflect, to think about it. What am I going to say? How, you know, but when you're driving, like, I honestly don't blame people for like not knowing what to do or not being able to yeah. react fast enough because it's, 
you don't always expect it because you're thinking about something else and you're, or the radio's on or whatever. And then you, someone's there and it's like, oh, I don't have any money. Like I, don't have, I got some food in the back. Oh, oh the light's green. You know, like, yeah. And if you, if you regret your decision, it's harder to turn around. Exactly. Yeah. So I, it just, yeah. it, I think for that reason alone, that, that's an argument for why we shouldn't have as many, uh, which cars. just sounds, it, it just sounds so ridiculous to anyone. Just yeah. like, well, why, why bother? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean the, the reality is the genie's out of the bottle, right? I mean, right. What can you do? You can't, um, back. but it does speak to what the priorities are, right? Is, is the priority, the people, um, or is the priority? I mean, it, and then just cars in general just make us worse. Yes. I mean, everyone like jokes about how selfish they are on the road. Like, you know, everyone is going. The person going slower than you is an idiot, and the person going faster than you is a maniac. You know, you are going the perfect speed. Um, you are the platonic form of driving. Um, you know, it, it, everyone's more selfish. You see this if there's a stop sign in a. There's more than one stop sign in an area. You know. Uh, the mm-hmm. people coming out of Costco always blow through the stop sign. The people coming yep. out of Aldi are stuck there waiting. Uh, I'm riffing so you can find your page. Thank you. I'm ready. So this is a book. Um, this is a, a collection of essays by Ivan Illich, which I've been slowly working my way through. Um, it's amazing. This this essay is called Useful Unemployment and Its Professional Enemies, which has been very, very interesting. Um this the the whole title of the book towards a history of needs i think is very that kind of frames everything because it talks about like what really is a need you know like what do we really need and there's a couple of quotes i'm going to read here <clears throat> so um the arguments implicit in these questions questions that he had posed prior are frequently advanced to disrupt and discredit public analysis of the disabling effects of industrial welfare systems which focus on services Such effects are essentially identical and clearly inevitable, no matter what the political flag under which they are imposed. This is the money quote. They incapacitate people's autonomy through forcing them via legal, environmental, and social changes to become consumers of care. So his his point is, this one article is specifically railing on the industrial welfare system of creating more and more industry, which creates more and more services that people are obligated, whether legally or uh, economically or socially to consume, right? You then have to consume these things. B- purchasing a vehicle and driving on the state provided roads is one result of the industrial welfare system, which sure. is crazy. Cause we wouldn't think of roads in the, like, we don't, when we think of welfare, we don't think of roads, right? We think of things like food stamps or whatever, but all the roads are for the most part government publicly funded. Yeah. Yeah. Publicly funded. Right. And if we just imagine a world in which the government did not provide roads right would we be forced to then purchase cars probably maybe maybe not i don't know Um, there's one other thing that i would like to read oh plus cars and cars uh can't coexist with people on the road that's oh yeah 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 that you need you can't just walk on the road talk about yeah i was i was talking to fee about that i was like the the idea of a sidewalk is utterly foreign to people before the industrial revolution because it's like yes okay someone's going faster on a horse yeah they can see me yeah far away there's no blind spots on a horse they can slow down and and wait their turn yeah it's uh yeah this is the other thing so he's kind of railing on just like the idea that cars this podcast does hate cars the idea of the like a profession like someone in the professional class um which is really someone who uh makes policies and makes decisions that dictate, you know, the direction of businesses and governments and those kinds of things. Um, 
the idea that professions create a culture in which everybody is reliant upon the opinion of the professions of the experts. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that he says in here are really relevant to COVID, um, which are kind of crazy, but that's for another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he says the age of professions will be, will be remembered as the time when politics withered, when voters guided by professors entrusted to technocrats, the power to legislate needs, the authority to decide who needed what, and a monopoly over the means by which those needs should be met. Essentially, because of professional expertise, the ability to determine who needs what and how they need it and how they're going to get it was delegated through political order to technocrats and business owners, not to the individual. And I'm not saying this because I think everybody needs to read or this. Or families or communities or right. et cetera. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not saying this because I think everybody needs to like understand this on a philosophical level or you need to read these books in order to really get it but what i'm saying is the culture that we live in it does not support okay i gotta read one more quote it does not support a life that is determined by you or i or by our families or by our communities yeah it it has no interest in what we have to say and oh boy So therefore, we must violently overthrow. I'm just kidding. So no, no, no. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Got it. Sorry. You almost, Thank I almost you. Went off the this is, there. No, this is the last thing I'll say. Um, okay. How could a defense-ridden state be expected to tolerate the organization of disaffected citizen groups who unplug their neighborhoods from consumption to claim the liberty to small-scale use-value-intensive production that happens in an atmosphere of satisfying and joyful austerity? Would not a militarized society soon have to move against need deserters, brand them as traitors, and if possible, expose them not just to scorn, but to ridicule? Would not a defense-driven society have to stamp out those examples that would lead to nonviolent modernity, just at the time when public policy calls for a decentralization of commodity production reminiscent of Mao, and for more rational, equitable, and professionally supervised consumption? So translate that. So, this is great. I love this, because... We live in a society where it's 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 all walls up all the time. We do live in a word. society. Said I, I said, said the words. Word. I'm sorry. Said I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to. It's such. It's not my fault. It's, 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 it's Walking Phoenix. We do so indeed live in a society. We live in we live in a society where the idea of a can you imagine what like when people talk about things like um so the Amish is a great example, yeah. right? So. The Amish are, are a, is exactly what that quote just said. It's like a, a neighborhood or a community of people that are disaffected with with the state and the direction of the technocracy and the direction of big business and the direction of industrial welfare. They say, this actually isn't leading to our flourishing. So we're going to decide to remove ourselves and we're going to live a life that will lead to local high use or, or high value local use production, right? So they are growing things themselves. They are making things themselves. Uh, they are handling a lot of the things that have been outsourced to the industrial economy or overseas for the rest of us, right? So what he's saying is that a a government who is seeking really only the expanse, like the the growth of their use of the economy like growing the economy growing the energy that we consume doing more things more efficiently all the time uh, which is what like he wrote this in the 70s so we're even more that than they were you know back then um 
if you remove yourself from that industrial welfare system, you remove yourself from that technocratic rule of law that we've politi- politically surrendered, essentially, mm-hmm. um, then the government will have no response at some point to then either section you off uh, violently or or to say, you know, look at these stupid people. I can't believe they're doing this, which like we joke about the Amish, but like it's not a coincidence that they aren't contributing to the GDP and they're the ones that everyone finds it easy to ridicule, yes. you know, when yeah. we talk about these kinds of things. Right. So like that's kind of the argument that he's making is. Because it also it goes against the it's like it um it goes against the liberal sensibility of like, oh, this is our the natural state of man it goes Mm -hmm. like it goes against the because we we have a we have a great like romanticization uh romanticization whatever romanticize romantic feelings towards uh (laughs) indigenous peoples like the the indigenous peoples the tribes not as they exist now but as they existed uh and certain like certain uh tribes in like island nations we think about like oh they live peacefully and they live off the land and all that stuff but they just don't know they just don't mm-hmm. they they live they live very peacefully and we like look at that as like oh that's so cool that we like romanticize it there it is found mm-hmm. the word and we're like oh that was so that's so nice and peaceful but they don't have they don't have our technology because they just don't know like mm-hmm. they they're simpler you know we kind that's of that's jean-jacques rousseau yes that's his that's his whole thing and, and it's and it's it's um uh, coming of age in American Samoa, which I forget who wrote that, but uh, it was a really popular book. In John the- Stuart Mill. No, 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 no. This is oh, more probably. modern. It was it was a okay. woman who it was a woman who went to American Samoa to like figure out how the natives lived, and they were essentially just like messing with her a bunch of the time, like because they're smart, because they're That's human beings, right? Because uh, they were like not, this um, this yeah. white lady in a weird dress is coming to like tell you like, oh yeah, we totally all like have sex all the time with each other, you know. Like, <laughs> Anyway, um, she was I like, "Yeah, the, the, uh, she talked to a bunch of teenagers and teenage Samoans and she, like about their sexual habits, and they were like, yeah, they, she's like, they were very promiscuous.' And all I can think of is like her uh, walking up to a teenage boy, being like, "Have you ever had sex before?" He's like, yeah, 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 totally, yeah, so many times, like with every day in the freaking village, like you know." Yes. And she's like, "Oh wow, interesting. Tell me more." <laughs> anyway, um, that's but, probably when we let people who graduated from Yale go outside. Yeah, it's not um, a good idea. And so, like that, we have that idea of that kind of simple, simple living. But yeah. the Amish go directly against that because they live within our world in mm-hmm. in stark proximity to our amazing, beautiful wonders of technology, and yet they reject it. How dare yeah. you? Yes. You know, in in fact, it's not even like it's not even. And we make up rumors about them, like they believe that their souls are going to be taken out by photographs, like they believe that <laughs> photographs are evil or that they're that they're repressive or whatever. And it's like they let their young people go live in the world they're aware of the technology yeah they use banks they have stores that we go to when something comes up that they think that they need they vote on it as a community whether or not they're going to allow that technology into the community or not right like it's it's not like there's some universal like you can't go past 1823 you know yeah Uh, like the family guy joke which I don't know about. There's that. a Family Guy joke about that where it's like, and thank you God for making a technology. Everything up until 1826, everything after that is evil. And it's like right. that's just a simplistic. Thank you, that's Seth MacFarlane, for your sense. religious views. Um, um, and anyway, and this is not a Family Guy is when uh, Bill Maher calls Brian an idiot because Bill Brian is played by Seth MacFarlane and Seth MacFarlane's an idiot. All right, go. On. That's pretty funny. Um, Bill Maher. And this is not a pro Amish podcast because I think the Amish are wrong about many things because we yeah. It, for like Christians, we do have an obligation to be a part of the culture, 
right? Like that's, we, we're like, we're called to be set apart in the way that we live and, but not like to the point where we remove ourselves, you know, um, like the Amish, maybe they're doing some evangelizing. I don't want to assume it's a lot harder to evangelize when you're, when you are completely not allowed to engage with anybody else for anything, you know, like the, the Kansa Catholic podcast, which has father Gale on it. He just did an episode called building a culture. And he read a letter from like, diogenesis diagonis diogenes about like how christians are obeying all the same customs and doing all the same things as everybody around them and you wouldn't know it you wouldn't be able to tell that they were christians just by looking at them but it's the way that they live it's like how they love it's how they treat their friends Mm -hmm. that's that's the thing that sets them apart which is very interesting because i was written in like 280 so the the key thing from here is the goal of the of the state in this case is that last line that I read from this quote. This is the last thing I'll read from this book. Rational, equitable, and professionally supervised consumption. That's what they desire for us, right? And that's the kind of the, that connects to my desire to, like there's nothing wrong with living in the suburbs and living in a cul-de-sac, right? But the whole design of suburbs is exactly that. It's rational, equitable, and professionally supervised consumption. Everybody, you all live here, and you're all. I'm, you're, you won't be ten minutes from a Starbucks. Don't worry, you won't be more than ten minutes away from a grocery store. Uh, you'll be able to get to a Target. Don't worry. Oh, it's, it'll be okay. You can still. There's a fast internet here. Like you can move into any suburb in the country and have the exact same experience. Yes. It would not make a difference, right? Because on the whole, people don't talk to their neighbors, right? People don't know. Like they don't know the people that are on their street. Like they're the Maybe in some neighborhoods is different, and I'm sure there are some local cultures that, that change things. But on the whole, you move into a suburb, you're essentially saying, my desire for my entire life is for my family to be isolated in this silo. I want everything that I that I possibly need accessible through a car ride. Wow, those and Amish I, are so crazy for removing themselves from society. Anyway, back to my den. <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to have to interact with... Room with anybody other than a faceless masked employee at target to get what I need. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's what I desire yeah. It's like minimal interaction with other people. And the only interaction I want with people is someone whose job it is to serve me. That's it. And I don't want to know their name. I don't want to know, want to know anything about them. Right. Like that's the life of the suburbs. They will have to force their name tag upon me in right. big, big, bold letters. <laughs> I always try to use it when like, and it, sometimes they say like, my favorite thing is is musicals. I always try to ask them about the musicals because it's like they, I don't know anything have, about your. Thing. They have name tags with. Well, some with, people like at Panera. I went to Panera the other day, and she said, "Like my favorite thing is is musicals." And I said, "What's your favorite Broadway musical?" She said, oh, "How could I pick?" And I said, "Well, why'd you have it on your name tag if you weren't ready to talk about it? Um, <laughs> if you're not like, immediately ready to talk about it, <laughs> go back to serving me, wench." No, I was kidding. You. I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> throws 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 a coffee cup on the ground. Another. <laughs> um. So that's, I want to connect what we've been talking about with like what we're trying to do. So there was another wedding that happened January of 2021, right before I I proposed to Emma. And I remember distinctly like those two families that I was talking about, the Chet and Ray and and Carly and Blake, me and Emma were sitting at this table with a couple other people and uh, Blake and Chet were just joking. And like, just, I think we all had a bit to drink. We were just all laughing because they were talking about how they were going to have sheep and they were going to shear the sheep and they were going to leather work and um, just were, were just like so adamant, like we're going to have sheep for whatever they like fixated on the sheep. And it was hilarious. 
But that just kind of got me thinking like, okay, so there's there's clearly some desire here because this has come up multiple times with multiple groups of people. Like there's some there's some dissatisfaction with the way that the world is and um, a desire to change the way that we live in order to respond to what our what our heart says. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I kind of I'm, I'm thinking about this throughout my last semester of focus and I'm, I'm just kind of praying and like we're having the conversations we're having. We're reading the things that we read, uh, leave focus, move to Oklahoma city and, uh, you know, have my wedding, which again, is like the same kind of feeling. It's like, man, a lot of good people here. Indeed. It felt that way. A <laughs> lot of really good people. Yeah. here. Like this, this seems correct for some reason, you know, get married, come back, adjust to married life, all these things in October of this year i we emma and i had five other families over and we basically just kind of gave like a very basic pitch that's not nearly as in-depth or intellectual as what we've what i've been saying here but yeah it's um we all recognize that there's something wrong with the way that we've been living our lives like we are living isolated not on purpose but just because like that's the way that the culture it exerts itself on you like the the it wasn't anybody's goal or intention or plan maybe some people but just the way that things have developed is you can get you can buy things on your on your computer or on your phone you can get all the entertainment you need on your personal device you can go to the store not talk to anybody go to self-checkout come back have everything you need you don't have to leave your bubble and there's also just this increased awareness of how Christians need to be in community and how the, the number one defining factor of whether or not you're evangelizing is whether or not you're a part of an evangelizing community. It has nothing to do with the amount that you've been formed. It has everything to do with, are you in a community? This is why there are so many priests who get eight years of seminary formation and the sacrament of holy orders who are all alone, all by themselves who leave the priesthood or who get a mistress or whatever, because they, they don't have a community around them. Mm. Same principle for lay people. The goal is not to create a commune. That's the word people use all the time that I don't yeah. like because it's very negative. Um, <laughs> the, I, I don't desire to make a community in which people are isolated in the same way that the Amish are, right? This is the problem that I have with the Amish. Yeah. I know, and I know you're, that you're listening, um, but... <laughs> Uh, the goal is right the goal is not to be isolated it's to have very clear lines this is mission territory and this is not mission territory and so we had people come over and we said listen we desire to live in close physical proximity like we're talking less than five minutes away by car you know because walkable walkable we did not have a plan we like kind of we said, like, here are some different areas. I downloaded a Zillow extension where I downloaded all the prices of homes and I created an average and I had a spreadsheet and, you know, Amazing. here's, yeah, here's, here's the number of homes in this price range and this is the average and, you know, had 10 different areas all across Oklahoma City. Because mm-hmm. these are people who are from all over the country, but we're all here. Like, they're either missionaries at OSU or down at OU or they're just living here in town. It's like, all right, God has put us all here for a reason. We're all friends. We see each other. Like, this is, something's got to happen here. Um, because I believe that I've been placed here by God. 
And I don't believe it's an accident that I'm in Oklahoma City because I never would have chosen to move here, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but I'm here. So we kind of had all of that. We let people go and pray and discern for a month. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, here's the invitation. We want to live close to each other for all of these reasons. We, we want to be able to rely on one another, maybe homeschool our kids together, maybe um, have some, like, we, like we're all formed as missionaries. Like someone is like at least one person in each family is focus adjacent, you know? Yeah. Um, like we're all, we've all been formed as missionaries. The goal is to like be built up from a friendship with each other and then be able to go out and, you know, convert a city or a neighborhood or our neighbors or serve the poor together. Like it just make it like, cause sometimes your, your neighbor needs something and it's a two man job and you just, you just ignore her. Because she's old and Chinese and she's hard to understand and you <laughs> and you don't know what to do. Yeah. If you had three, four, five family friends who were all Christian, who all understood, you know, what needed to be done, it wouldn't be a weird thing to say, Hey, come come over, we gotta dig this hole in this Chinese lady's backyard because she wants a hole dug. You know, call before you dig kind of thing. Um <laughs> so that was kind of the initial meeting. And then we let everybody pray and discern for a month. And we came back for another meeting in November. And that was the meeting that changed everything, I feel like. Because Mm. one of the ladies in the group said, you know, I'm down here in Norman. Norman is about 30 minutes from where I live. It's about 45 minutes to an hour from like the very north, like Edmond, which is where I got married. It's like the north suburb. And then Norman's on the very south. So Oklahoma City is like an hour tall. Are all of the suburbs uh, named after just dudes? Yeah, so there's Norman, <laughs> Edmond, Oklahoma City. The village. <laughs> the village, Nichols Hills. That's a person. That's a person. Uh, Midwest City. Okay. Uh, El Reno. Ah. Yukon. Ah, Spanish Mus- for the Rhino. <laughs> Mustang. Moore. More Oklahoma? There's more? More Oklahoma. There's more, baby. <laughs> so we're down in Norman and... In, in, uh, and she's telling us, hey, she's on this focus team, right? And she says, you know, I'm on this focus team, but, like, I don't really see my teammates outside of meetings. Mm. Like, we all kind of live all over Norman. And we don't, like, run into it because OU's such a big campus. You know, we don't really, like, run into each other. That sucks. Um, Her neighbor, she's like, my neighbor, um, Rob, and my my other neighbor behind me, uh, Sally and her husband and, and my other neighbor, uh, Becky, who's old, like all of her 50, 60, 70 year old neighbors, they like ask her questions about her daughter and they know that she, what's going on in her life. And she talks to them and she knows what's going on in their lives. Cause she's out in the, mm-hmm. in the backyard gardening when she's home with the baby, you know? And she just said like, it just is so hard that my, my close neighbors, the people who are immediately adjacent to me, are the people who know, they know me better in some cases than my focus team. Like the people who I'm literally here on mission with. That's just really sad. And she kind of said that and it just kind of sparked something in everybody. Mm -hmm. And it made us all realize like, okay, we need to do more than just like be close. Like we need to be like next door. And yeah, so someone, and we'd have pools that connect our backyards an underground tunnel we've, we've talked about it all okay. um an electric dog fence that surrounds all the backyards we've, we've been through everything <laughs> um so th- the crazy thing is and this is just why like i really believe that god's hand is in everything here because 
<laughs> so Emma goes to summer projects from Arizona State, right? Emma ends up finding about a pro- about our podcast, DMs me. We end up getting married. It's amazing, right? The f- people that Emma meets at summer projects are Carly, the girl whose wedding I talked about. Lily, a girl who uh, Emma ended up living with, right? Um, Alexandra, another uh, the girl who's the team director at a, a college here in town. Um, Trevor Brecca, who's the team director at OU. She meets all these people at Summer Project, which is just kind of nuts that, yeah. like, she meets all these people. So Carly is Emma's friend. And Carly worked at this place called Seanforth Homes. Seanforth Homes is Lily's dad's business. He builds homes. Um, Emma lived with Lily for a whole year before we were married. Emma, Lily, and Carly are all the best of friends. Um, Carly talks to Sean Forth about our idea. She says, what can you do? Where's the cheapest homes that you could build anywhere in Oklahoma City? He said, Arcadia. Arcadia mm. is, a, is a small, it's like a, I don't know, it's kind of a town. It's not really developed. It's 10 to 15 minutes to the east of Edmond. Um, so like I-35, straight down Oklahoma City, you go, you'd exit on Route 66, and you go over Arcadia, it's very close. It's the northeast part of Oklahoma City. And um, he said, I actually, believe it or not, I have 10 lots, all right in a row, right next to each other. Uh, they're the cheapest lots that I could sell you in the city. And I'd be able to, to work with you on costs and be able to build you know, everybody a house that they, that they could use. And me and Carly sat down with him. We talked a little bit of numbers, talked about the vision, all these things. And, um, it just is like crazy that there's like this Catholic home builder who volunteers at his parish and is in the Knights of Columbus and, uh, gives the money of to Columbus comes through again, gives money to focus and has raised this daughter who ends up being a best friend to my wife, you know, and like knows who I am through association. It just like all of these things have kind of come together. And now like we're in this stage where, um, Emma and I have have decided with a couple of other families that like we're really going to try to pursue this. Like we're really we're going to go for it. We're going to try to get qualified for a loan. We're going to try and like it seems crazy to build a new house, yeah. you know. Um, but there are ways to there are ways to make it work. And there's another like the Bechetta family. They've decided that they're in, and the Bostics already live in Arcadia. And so at least we have like three out of the six families that we originally kind of invited have said you know yes we want to do mm-hmm. this. Which is not like a lot, you know, but there's, it's just crazy because I've, I just had two really good conversations with two other guys who are like discerning, like, do I stay with focus or do I leave and like join this thing? And it's just been amazing to see like how seriously these guys are taking this invitation and whether they join it or not, it, it, it's just really cool to provide like, this isn't really anything that I've done. This is just like a here's all these problems that I'm seeing. Here's all these things that I know that we all desire. Here's a potential solution. <laughs> and like yeah. at all, at every step, people are like, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah yes. Cool. And let's do it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, no matter how many families end up doing it and, and some guys might stay with focus, they might leave. We might, the goal is to hopefully, you know, like get a house built this year move in next door to to another couple, help the Bostics, because they're a couple streets away from where all these lots are, help the Bostics move from there to be next to us. And then hopefully, you know, uh, 
if, if my, my job is fruitful in a way that I desire it to be, reserve all of those other lots, just put the money down so that they're, they can't go to anybody else mm-hmm. and just, and just save them. And just as people come into our lives who are leaving focus or Newman centers around the area and they desire to live in this way that we've kind of been describing. It's like this way that's more local, that's less focused on consumption. It's more about community and about vocation than it is about, you know, um, making sure I have all of the streaming services that I need. Um, <laughs> then it can start to grow, you know, yeah. and maybe it's, maybe we fill all 10 of those lots on that one street. Right. And maybe houses go for sale across the street. We start buying those lots, you know, like it's just, I just see a future in which we can create a, it doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be Tyler, Texas, 400 acres, whatever. It just needs to be known that there's a place here in this town where you're a bit removed from the city. It's a safe place to bring your family. And, and the goal is to, to not be insular. The goal is to have this be a place that is markedly not mission territory so that when you leave, you have the support, right? And you can grab people and you can serve other people in the town and you can evangelize and you can go out and go to your business and and live the way that you know is right because you can come home and not worry about childcare, not worry about, you know, uh, this that this thing or the other thing being taken care of at your home because your next door neighbor has a key and all of your neighbors have a key to your house because you all are on the same page about everything. Yeah, and it's it's not meant to be something that where we where we hide from the world or like put up walls or self sustaining completely. S- yeah, no, no, because that's just not possible for most people. No, but it's it, way too much of a commitment. And yes, like it's up. Yeah. And we don't have the skills. Like no. I, I couldn't, I could not slaughter a cow if you gave me a week. Like I couldn't. <laughs> no matter how many, how many books by John Seymour. What is it? Mm-hmm. John Seymour. Yeah, yeah. John Seymour books. And like you, just, you can't, you can't slaughter a cow with a knife in one hand and a John Seymour book in the other. No matter how hard you try. <laughs> uh, just I, yeah, I just want to make sure that people understand that I'm, I'm not advocating for a, a withdrawal from society. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are scared of Christian community for that reason. Mm-hmm. People have negative reactions to things like what's happening in Tyler, Texas or the Benedict option or whatever, because they hear about this and they hear, you know, it's a good thing for Christians to rally together before they go out. And they're like, oh, we're just supposed to be out there. You ask anybody who feels alone, any family who feels like they're the only Christians on their street, who are the only practicing Catholics in their parish. Ask them if they would rather be in a community of like-minded people. And they'd say 100% they'd say yes. Yeah. Because it's so hard. Like. We're all doing, we're all like, we're all, we're all desperately trying to be self-sustaining anyway. Yes. This is, it's ironic because like, you know, it's, you're, you're saying, oh yeah, it's impossible to be self, self-sufficient, but that's essentially what we're all being asked to do is you have to make sure that you have your own house with your own child care and you have to make sure you have to make sure mm-hmm. that your kids are educated and you have to make sure that you know there's no um there's no fallback right there's if you're in a pinch and you need child care you will have to pay someone if you're in mm-hmm. a pinch and you uh your your kid gets expelled from the public school you're gonna have to send them to private school at your own expense you know what i mean it's like right there's no um there's no backup that's why phoebe so desperately wants to live near family Mm-hmm. And it's a little stressful that the kid's coming and we're not near family because, uh, you can move I, to Oklahoma city. I'll buy a lot for you. You can build it. <laughs> um, 
that's why that's why it's so stressful because it's like it's like you're not really supposed to raise kids by yourself mm-hmm there's this weird, like, and that's the lie of America yeah, is that you have to do it all on your own. There's it's a weird, like, there's a weird, like, there's like a weird half liberal uh, vision of the quote unquote traditional gender roles. I had, <laughs> I, I, I got into, a, I got into a little bit of a, a tussle with. So there's a group, uh, this group on 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 Francis's campus, a couple of guys about a year or two younger than me. Um, great great group of guys they started something called the veritas society and they have these parliamentary style debates that are very popular like professors and grad students go to these debates um that's how seriously they're taken they were organized by a bunch of undergrads and in this big room and if you're not familiar with a parliamentary style debate anyone can get up and say anything oh um yeah so it's this this cool like campus-wide forum where they they say this house believes x and then you are either with the house or you're against the house and you give your presentation they have they have planned speakers and then anyone else can get up and respond and uh they 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 put the they put the the provocative statement on the posters for instance one was this house believes traditional gender roles are best um and i like rolled my eyes because i was like traditional according to who like what tradition are you do you mean like feudal china traditional gender roles or do you mean like 1950s gender roles but right. the 1950s gender roles is a self-sufficient man who buys all of the all, who gets all of the money to help the self-sufficient woman raise all of the kids by herself. Um, and they are raising 2.5 kids, a dog and a cat, in a suburban house with a nice backyard and a lot of greenery surrounded by a white picket fence. And they are able to do all of those things. He is able to pay for everything. Uh, she is able to handle every emotional need of the family. Um, and that's it. That's the mm-hmm. that's the insular. Um, I feel like we've gone away from that, and now it is the self-sufficient person who yes. is able to take care of himself or herself. We're all the, but let's be honest the the model the model of the perfect American is the twenty five year old bachelor man, thirty year old bachelor man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've gone even even more narrow. Mm-hmm. Like now, the perfect individual is just in, it's not it's not a family, it's not a community of families, it's not a community of communities of families. It's just a bunch of individuals making free associations. There's only one guy ever in the history of the world. There's only one guy. There's only one guy ever in the history of the world who was oh, a self-sufficient. Uh-huh. He John was God. D. Rockefeller. Got it. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It was Jesus. Oh, okay. Even the people who Jesus called to follow him intimately, he's like, you guys got to be friends. <laughs> you got you to have That's why I love The Chosen because they don't like each other. Yes. Some of them. And they, they still have to live together. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a strong need, and I'm hearing about just like whispers of things elsewhere in the country where similar things are happening. And to a lot of people, this might sound really drastic. It's like, I can't believe you're so young. Why would you, how could you even afford to do this? How could you, like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you be asking a bunch of other families to do this when it might not make financial sense for them? Like, I I really believe that if someone is invited to something like this, mm-hmm. right? And and the, the other thing too is like, you can settle, right? And you can all kind of live in the same neighborhood, which is good. Um, but if you live five, 10 minutes away by car, you're, you're not going to see each other. You just won't. And the goal is to be able to have other people that you can rely on. Mm-hmm. 
and not feel guilty about. But if all of a sudden you got to, you got to hop in the car and drive over, like it just creates distance that doesn't need to be there. And we felt like for our situation with the people that we're with and the, the opportunities that we've been given, it felt like for us that, you know, getting some lots and and applying for some loans and, and building some new homes that are not the most extravagant homes in the world. These aren't like, you know, huge three car garage, five, Mc, like that's, yeah. we're not building McMansions. We're building homes that are going to make sense for the next five to 10 years for us, mm-hmm. for everybody's doing that. Right. It's just like, we're sacrificing a little bit of cash flow now because there's this bigger thing that makes so much more sense. Yeah. This might not make sense for everybody. I'm not advocating and saying that everybody has to do this, but I, what I am saying is there is a, th- a strong threat to Christian community because it, it should exist in the parish and it does not. It should exist in neighborhoods and, and the whole idea of having a Christian neighborhood or a Catholic neighborhood is completely out the window. Oh yeah. I mean, we're actively working to, I mean, we're actively needing to triage and get rid of parishes being neighborhoods in Pittsburgh. Yes. Now parishes are these essentially like boroughs of the city where you have to drive. You have to drive to the church. Yes. There's no other way. I just, a lot of people are upset by this idea and they're, they're very mad. Wait, who? That's, that's weird. uh, I've talked to some people who are like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Et cetera, et cetera. You should be, because people just believe like, People just believe that if you're a Christian or if you're a Catholic, if you're formed, you ought to be strong enough to just be planted anywhere and evangelize everybody around you. That right. just isn't how's how it that, works. How's that going? Huh? Yeah, it's, how's it's it, the how's worst. How's it going? How's it working for you? Which I think I'm points sorry, to I'm the... Being, I'm being... No, it, it points to the reality that there are a lot of people who just aren't really trying to live the Christian life. They're trying to maintain the aesthetics of a Christian life and they're trying to maintain a good feeling about living a Christian life. Right? Like, those you, are the kinds of people who that, say those kinds of things. That, or, or, you're just, you just don't realize how little your life is actually different. Yes. From the people around yeah. you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we have just a, a dearth of that attitude all over every single parish, which is people who have not even fathomed the idea that their life can look different than the suburban malaise that they've fallen into. Mm-hmm. Who who think that generally like more should be done to evangelize, but have no clue how to do it, and and aren't making any steps to to try and figure it out. They just kind of know oh something's not right, but either because of lack of desire or nobody's there to teach them. You know, probably both. Um, and then we have people who know that they need something like this, but but just don't know where to go. And mm-hmm. this is just my invitation. It's like you don't need to have all the connections in the world. Um, but just what if we all started pointing our resources in different directions? Like, yes, I think it would be good to save for retirement. And I don't think anybody should not save for retirement. Yeah. In fact, it's pretty but maybe, easy to save for retirement if you're... Yes. Yeah. But maybe instead of putting all of our energy and attention into investing for the future, we started to make something that was real now. Yeah. Like, and and actually created a life in which you could rely on other people to take care of you mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. Like the reason that so many people are saving for retirement is such a big thing is because no one thinks that their kids are going to provide for them. Yeah. No, every, the, our parent generation are scared to death that we're just going to forget about them. 
And so they're, they save and save and save and save and all these monies and they do all these investments and do all these things and work their butts off so that they can provide for retirement, so that they can have what they see as the ideal retirement, which is what the boomers are still living right now, which is golf and going to all these meetings and taking vacations and all these things. But also our salaries aren't set up to uh, take care of both the younger and older generation. Um, and on the converse, people who aren't saving for retirement are doing so because they think the government's going to take care of them. Right. So it's like it, we're, we're, either, we're either refusing to take care of our elders. We also have a system that prevents it from being possible. I mean, I wouldn't be able to take care of my parents if they were disabled and needed my help. Sure. Um, maybe a little bit, but I would be like really, you know, throwing. I'd be really like laying out, especially when a kid is coming. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we should adjust wage should be able to provide for your parents and your your kids and for but ideally it's like you would be living in a in a place in which if your parents did need to live with you for some reason you would have people around you that would help you take care of them yes you know like that's what i'm that's what i'm saying is um that's we just our vision is so small like the the american way of life yes the american way of life is so tiny i want to live in a community where when uh, West Penn Power comes and sticks a sticker on our apartment door that says apartment apartment in you know building seven apartment thirteen. You owe us one hundred and twenty dollars by X date, or we're gonna shut off your power. I want to live in a community where the apartment complex says, "Okay, I will pay their bill." That's where I want to live. You know, right? I want to live in an apartment complex. I thought about I thought about saying this to my my super. I'm like, hey, can we start a fund? that pays for mm-hmm. people's electric bill and water bill when they can't cover it. But I know yeah. what would happen. They would say no, because it's, it's weird, right? It's like, they should take care of it. It's their bill. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It's just, I don't live it, in a community. It, I live in a, I live in a little tiny box. that yes. happens to be next to other boxes. Yeah. And just uh, my desire is that exact thing is what if we did start a fund where every year everybody committed to putting as much as they could into this fund and it, nobody had a claim over it. It's not, you don't get a certain proportion, like it's not proportional to the amount that you put in that you get out of it. Yeah. It's whenever someone is in need, you know, their car breaks down or their, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, this, this is why we're all together is so that, you know, you can have something like this. Like, and something like that really, can't happen on a large scale. It needs to happen on a small scale where everybody knows what's going on. Right. Yeah. It, the, the real living out of Acts chapter two, it's like they all shared everything in common. And it's, it's not, it's not a cop out. You're not hiding from anything. You are responding to a world that hates you and hates everything that you stand for by shoring up, bringing, bringing in reinforcements and, and going back out there. Yeah. You're not hiding. You're living in the suburb of a major city. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's not really hiding. Right. You know? Which is in living in a suburb of a major city with five to ten other on fire Catholic families is better than living in a suburb of a major city by yourself, not knowing anybody. Yeah, kind of near other youth ministers in the area, like I. Yeah, so yeah. that's um that took us. Uh, we should have expected that that would have taken us the whole time, but well, I'm I'm inspired. I I really something I need I need to do. I know that I need to do is it's, I need it's to, hard and it can take time. Like you don't have to do it this year. You can you can make a plan, you know, over the next four to five years, you get with the other people in your area who think the way that you do and say, 
this is what I want to do. How can we do this? Where do you want to be? And some people might not want to be in because it might be too many sacrifices, but I bet you that there are some people in Pittsburgh who'd be willing to move across the city or to some neighborhood they never thought they would live in so that they can be in community. Like people, like Matt Fred moving to Steubenville, you know? Like, yeah. It's it's that kind of idea. Who, who um, moves from Atlanta to Steubenville? Not too many people. No, not to, I don't think anybody in the history of the world until that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So... Um, would you like to get into Dr. Ethan's dating corner? I would love to. All right, you came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. Welcome to Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner, sponsored by Catholic Match. You can submit your Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner question in the description below. Ethan, are you ready for... Oh, yeah, you can also go to catholicmatch.com slash crunch to start your free profile. It's all free, uh, but you should go to that URL so that they know that we sent you. This one comes from... Does he want to remain anonymous? Yes, never mind. (laughs) This one comes from a dude... Uh, how would one choose which person? This one comes from Norman. This one comes from Norman, Norman in Oklahoma. How would one choose which person to nurture a friendship into a relationship? Oh, oh, he's in a, he's in a little love triangle there. (laughs) Ah, this is classic two dates to the prom situation there. Oh yeah. I know it well. I know it well. Uh, by that, by two dates to the prom, I mean zero dates to the prom. Uh, okay. So there are two women (laughs) that I've had face to face contact with. (laughs) And with either one, I would like to proceed into a further and deeper relationship Mm. with either one. Uh, This guy did not proof his message. Right. The one that lives closer to me is not currently looking to date anyone, while the other kind is looking to date. Okay. All right. It seems pretty simple so far. Date the one that wants to date. Uh, She has at least one profile on Catholic Match, and we connected on a Catholic speed date. Um, Okay. Date the girl that wants to date. All right. Is is there more? Yeah, that was the question. That was the whole question? Yeah, this he guy did, is not. There's no more yeah. elaboration or anything. No more elaboration, dude. Who who does who should he date, Ethan? The one that wants to date. The one that wants to date. Oh, here we. These are the these are the 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 questions from the Catholic Match people uh-huh. who have never heard of the podcast before, Got so it. they don't understand the segment. Right. Um. Oh, this one's good. I'm oh, ready. we're doing this I'm one. Ready, okay. I'm ready, this I'm one ready. comes from a lady. Hello. A short summary of her question is how to fall out of love. Hmm. How do I fall out of love, Ethan? Oh, wow. In short, in short, it is short. There's a guy. Mm. There always is. I've liked a really long time, capital T time. Mm. We met when I lived abroad, but now we live oceans apart. Wait, we met when I lived abroad, but now we lived oceans apart. He lives in America and I live in Morocco. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. My parents don't want us to date. Uh, More to the point, he has never really shown any interest in pursuing me. Well, there you go. Okay. Uh, even when we lived closer, I tried to manufacture opportunities to give him a chance to do something, alas, to no avail. I love when our listeners get all renaissance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I need to move on, but I'm finding it really hard. Part of the problem is we have a few mutual friends, so there's no way to really remove him from my life. There isn't? He lives oceans away. But how do I make my feelings less romantic and more platonic? I mean, how do you do anything? You know? Yeah. You just kind of got to do it. You know what I mean? Like, all right. Yes, the Shia LaBeouf way. Yeah. I, it's good to have mutual friends. I don't think it's bad to have mutual friends. Um, (laughs) Let's say, how about this, right? I hate the website Reddit. 
right? I've loved it for sure. a long time. I need to get rid of it. I have lots of friends that use Reddit. My brothers use Reddit. Patrick uses Reddit. Um, sometimes uh, my coworkers use Reddit. It's, it's, you know, everybody kind of around me uses this website and they talk about the things that they saw on Reddit. They, they share all the funny things that Reddit has to say and talk about how cute Reddit is. And it's just, <laughs> it's hard for me because I'm trying to not and say that Reddit and I would be so happy together. They, yes. And I'm trying to not use Reddit. So I have a couple of options. Option one is to continue to get on Reddit and look at Reddit. You know, just in my free time, think about it, you know, just wonder what I'm going to post today, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> You're a lurker, you know you are. I'm a lurker. Um, I don't have an account. <laughs> I deleted it. I still get on the website. So uh, I can think about it or I can fill up my life to the brim with other things that I know that are good for me, right? Yeah. So instead of getting on Reddit, I, I'm reading David Copperfield right now. So when I go to the bathroom, I don't take my phone. I take a book and I sit down and I read David Copperfield by Charles Dickens, or is it Charles Dickens by David Copperfield? The cover is very unclear. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I read this book, and then when I'm when I'm around, you know, and it's like, you know, maybe there's a lull in work, and I feel like I need to check something. I'll look at the Discord, the Crunch Discord, and I'll I'll scoot around for there, and then I'll I'll be done. And then when I feel myself about to check Reddit, I stand up, and I walk away, and I eat some peanuts, and I'm just trying to rewire my brain so that I'm doing other things other than checking reddit so yes it's a it's a slow process and it's going to take time but the the way to get over anybody or anything is by filling up your life with other things and other relationships that are more valuable and better for you so this guy he's oceans away nothing's gonna happen he's oceans 11 he's oceans 11 he is he is the the Hundred and hundred million dollars in the in the vault that they take out of there, and you're the you're the Bellagio, and and the money's gone, and you're here, right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, gone away in a SWAT van. I love the movie. Down by the river. Ocean's what? Eleven. Good movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. So uh, develop some other friendships, some other relationships, get some hobbies. When people say that, they don't mean it as like find something to occupy your time. It's like find something that fills you up and, and sustains you that is more healthy and long lasting. That would be my take. What do you think, Pat? That I, I mean, yeah, time, time heals all wounds, time heals all wounds. And, uh, uh, have you considered praying? Huge. Listen to our episode from a couple weeks ago. Boom. Uh, yeah, I have nothing to add. That sounds like really good advice. Thanks, Patrick. All you could, all I could think of when you said Van was uh, <laughs> the Matt Foley, yes, uh, motivational speaker bit from SNL, which I rewatched recently. Um, I even watched the couple of sequels they did, which are not as good as no, the original. They should have just not. kept it. Yeah. Um, I love that. Not for the van down by the river thing, because that got old the sure. second time he said it. The best part like, is what? The best part is, hello, my name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, I am a motivational speaker. I love the way that he's he just stands there, and he's hoisting his pants the whole time. <laughs> That's so the good. best thing in the world. It's like That's 180 degrees, thing. rotating the arms, pulling the pants up. It's, I am a motivational. <laughs> I love it so much, and I'm just like I, as someone who says words for a living, as my Twitter bio says in Greek, mm-hmm. I feel that. 
Yeah. You know, every time I want to walk walk up in front of my youth group, be like, "Hello, kids. My name is Patrick Davy, and I am a motivational speaker." <laughs> it's pretty good. Anyway, Matt Foley, motivational speaker. Matt Foley. We really podcasted today. We really did. Rather, I, am, I podcasted today and you listened. I was very happy to hear about your community because it inspired me to hang out more. Uh, because I guess the thing I can do in the meantime is practical takeaways, right? Yeah. Um, the thing that I can do in the meantime is uh, become a real estate agent, become incredibly successful, uh, <laughs> build up a sizable uh, wealth yeah. for myself, and then um, buy 10 lots of land outside of Oklahoma City. Let me just then, be clear. Uh, I don't have the money to buy 10 lots of land now. I just Sure, I know, but I'm, we're talking practicals for me. Huh? Sure, I'm okay. I'm not saying gotcha. you've done this. Right, right. I'm saying I need to do this. No, I'm just kidding. The thing that I can do now is uh, use my car that takes so much time and money to maintain. It's like, does it really save you time because you have to get an oil change every three months and sometimes the serpentine belt, whatever the hell that is, did they make it up? I don't know. Um, <laughs> sometimes that breaks and then your tires are out of alignment because you live in the literal hilliest place in the world. Um, anyway, uh, I'll just take that little car and I will, uh, drive to hang out with my core team and hang out with my friends and my other youth minister friends. Friend of mine, friend of the podcast, Kevin Kellerman sold his car. That's incredible. He, he does work from home and his wife has a car, but he's like, we got two cars. We don't need two cars. We don't need two cars. Either. Sold the car thinking about selling that selling my car it's a it's kind of a radical commitment to like the bus well not the bus but just (laughs) like the lack of self-reliance like both husband and wife having a car if you don't need it is basically just saying like i want to be able to go wherever i want whenever i want sans you you know Mm. like Mm. obviously some families you got it's you need two cars i'm not trying to say it everybody has to live the way that i'm saying people say that i'm too aggressive in the way that i state my opinions that is something that people say and have dm'd me about Really? One person. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not tr- I hope I've been sufficiently clear in this podcast that this is not for everybody right now. But I think that if you have the same desires and the same feelings in your heart that Patrick and I have expressed in this episode, it's worth exploring. Yeah. How could we maybe begin to do this? Because it's not, it is a Catholic evangelization Christianity thing, but it's also a man, the, the government's really getting a little bit weird and culture's getting a little bit weird and technology's getting a little bit weird. Like Weirder just on than a, it was when we showed up, which yes. in the 90s was still pretty weird. Yes. So People it's like were maybe... People still pretending you could be happy without God on TV. Imagine. Ridiculous. So maybe just like for, on a human level, I just need to be <laughs> separated from everything. Patrick's making himself laugh. I'm sorry. Sometimes I think about Full House and I think about how like they there's no god were, anywhere in that show yeah and how like they're perfectly content and how whatever like, happened to god <laughs> and 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 like i was i was thinking about i was listening to patrick Deneen's uh book why liberalism failed I was the best book. book and it's he talks so about good. how how one of the ways that liberalism perpetuates itself is through television because it can communicate that a world exists that does not like a world where the c-suite in this company is like completely diverse and uh, no one's on their cell phones and everyone is hanging out and all these these uh, 30 year old adults are living in New York City and they all hang out at a bar every night, you know, and it's like and you're like, oh, cool. That's what life is. And your life doesn't look like that. No. Um, and I just think about like the 1990s 
um, or like me watching Full House in the 2000s when like I wasn't having a great home life and I'm looking at Full House. I'm like, why does my life not look like this? Mm -hmm. And it is actually more damaging. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love how BoJack Horseman kind of turned that on its head because Diane is like, yeah, I watched that show to feel better about my life and her life still sucks and she's Mm -hmm. not happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyway, I was just thinking about that as I was thinking about. It's pretty good. Thank you. That's another podcast topic for another day. Hmm. How come I don't have an aunt that is radically more attractive than all of my other family members? Interesting. Hmm. I guess the goal is to be that aunt. That's true. You either you're either an Aunt Becky or a John Stamos, or you're an Uncle Joey. Uncle Joey. That's all you can have. Bummer, bummer, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just love that I is there, when, I went with when, Aunt Becky. Uncle Joey and then John Stamos like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the character's name. He's not Uncle Jesse. He's not Uncle Jesse. Um, when when uh, if if Phoebe ever dies, uh, God, God willing, that does not happen. Uh, you and you and uh, you and Nick Nevy can move into my house. Uh, Nick will be my Nick will be Uncle Joey and you will uh, Nick will be Uncle Jesse and you'll be Uncle Joey. We all According to the Levitical law, one of us has to marry your wife. <laughs> if she dies. No, sorry. <laughs> i got that confused i needed to make a joke where one of us was uncle joey and i wanted to make myself the butt of that joke but then emma would have to die and that like feels yeah. weird for yeah me don't make do. emma die cut it out man that's, no, that's not good <laughs> anyway emma's not home and and she didn't hear you scream don't make emma die, don't right? make emma die. <laughs> that's that is that tell me that's true okay. yeah it's true no emma's working uh i gotta have dinner ready for her in 30 minutes so. Uh, complimentarity men and women indeed cool so that's all i got great this yeah. is a fun podcast i thank you for coming along this journey with me Dude. um i have a lot of thoughts i could probably do a whole other podcast on this about just everything else that's gone into it if people are maybe we'll do like a like a special episode for people who are on discord if you want to hear about Oop. Oop. uh logistics or you know any any of the like the more specific things about what we've done and like the steps we've taken be a lot to get into just on the regular podcast but if you want to know about these things email me uh send me a message on discord send me a message on facebook whatever i'd be more than happy to talk about kind of the steps that we've gone through if there's enough enough interest we'll do like a special something or other so a special episode because i just think it's really important i want people to know very special episode i'm trying to pave the way Uh uh-huh for others indeed yes it can be a very special episode (gasps) all right patrick do you have anything else for the people Remember, kids, the only truly non-fungible token is God's love. Sometimes I forget you're a youth minister, and then I remember. (laughs) I tweeted that, and it got precisely seven likes. That's so annoying, because it's so good. I know! I was like, you jerks! Show yourself! I'm funny! How dare you! Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we'll see you all next week. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose. 
at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.